0: And we join him right now with today's message.
1: I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, again, we're going to look at the last chapter. This letter was written to Christians who lived in the first century in northern Turkey that were being persecuted for their faith. Christians were being marginalized and vilified. Peter writes that we are strangers Don't be surprised when the suffering comes because this world is not our home. We're just simply passing through. And the entire book is about that we as Christians need to keep doing good even though we're suffering, even though we're being persecuted, uh, keep doing the right thing. Today, I want to skip the first six verses of chapter 5 where Peter addresses the leadership in the church. And you can only imagine if you are living in the days of Rome, and Rome has a list of the Christians that they want to kill, that those in leadership positions would be the very first people that they want to kill. And so I think on purpose in the middle of this book, or towards the end, that Peter uh, wants to encourage those who are in leadership positions. And he wants to tell them to keep serving humbly, and watching over the flock of Jesus Christ. And I want to assure all of you that our elders and our leaders in our church take these first six verses very seriously. You need to know that. We begin with verse seven. And verse seven is a verse that everybody loves. And verse seven says, cast all your anxieties, say anxiety. anxiety. Cast all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. You know, we are living in a world of anxiety. We live in a world of chaos. And verse 7, it says to cast all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because the Bible says that he, God, cares for you. Now, we spend a lot of time around Shepherd Church trying to tell you and trying to tell everyone How much god cares i've told you not hundreds of times not thousands but tens of thousands of times that the reason jesus died on a cross for you is because he loves you the reason god was even willing to sacrifice his son jesus is because god cares for you so if you come to this church you should know by now how much god loves you and how much god cares for you amen? amen but then we come to verse 8 and verse 8 peter shifts gears there's a big difference between verse 7 and 8 verse 8 he shifts gears and what he wants christians to know that not only does god care about you he wants you to know that the devil cares about you that the devil is extremely enormously interested in you that satan is relentless in his pursuit of you we come to verse eight let's read it and i want you to just to keep your bibles open we're just going to stay in this verse for a little bit he says there be self-controlled and alert and what that means is this everybody wake up that's what that means smell the coffee it means to be sober be on the lookout why because your enemy the devil prowls around like a what like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour i want to talk a little bit this morning about the devil. I assume that most of you believe in a supernatural being called Satan or the devil. There's a joke, it's literally over 100 years old. I've told it about 100 times. About the guy, he was going to a Halloween party and he went as the devil. He got a red suit with horns and he had a pitchfork and he was going on his way to the Halloween party, but there was a storm. And he didn't want to get rained on, so he just ducked into the nearest building. It was a church. He didn't know it was a church. And he heard the people singing, and he came in, and he stood in the back of the church, and the the worship director saw and just froze. And all of a sudden, the people are singing, and the worship leader just leaves. And they turn around, and they start looking, and they all see the devil, and they all start leaving, climbing out windows and jumping out doors. The whole church empties. And everybody gets out except one woman. She got stuck in the window. And he forgot that he had the devil suit on. He was just going over there to help her. And he gets real close and she goes, no, 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 no. She says, I- I've been a member of this church for 25 years, but I want you to know that I've been on your side the whole time. There are many people who do not believe in the devil. They just don't believe in it. One of the reasons why we don't want to admit that there's a devil is because we're prideful people. We think that we can solve all of our problems on our own. And so we see what happens. We think, well, we'll solve this on our own. We'll pass some new laws. We will appoint a task force. We will legislate more morality. That's all prideful to think that you can control evil. You cannot control evil. And you see, if I admit that there's a devil then I have to admit that my physical and material resources are inadequate to defeat him, and I need God to help me, and we don't want that. And what you need to know is this is not a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle. And again, if you admit, the reason you don't want to admit that there's a devil, if you admit that there's a devil, you have to acknowledge that therefore there must be a God. And the reason you don't want to admit that is because you know you'll have to live your life according to God. And you don't want to do that. So you just say, I don't believe in the devil. So you can live as you please. So Peter makes an assessment. Everybody say assessment. And I want you to know that he knows the devil because he's had many skirmishes himself with the devil. If anyone is qualified to tell us about the devil, it's Peter. I believe that Peter is a veteran in doing battle with the evil one. And his assessment is spot on. And the first thing that he says, write this down. We got to write fast. The devil is our enemy. The devil's the enemy, not the government, not the president, not your neighbor, not Hollywood. Hollywood is not the enemy. The local atheist that lives down the street is not the enemy. The enemy is the devil. The word used in the Bible is a word that means slanderer and accuser. The devil is an accuser. That's all he does is accuse. He accuses man to God. The devil's always telling God how bad you are. He's always telling you how unfair God is. And some of you right now believe that God is unfair. And he's always accusing man against man. It's his nature. He's a liar. Write that down. John 8, 44. The Bible says he's not only a liar, that he's the father of all lies. It's what he does. It's his language. Number two, write this down. The devil is a prowler. He prowls around. And what that means is that Satan comes by stealth mode. He hates to be exposed. He's the master of disguise. He does his best work in your life when you don't even recognize him he does not want you to even hear this message here today he's a prowler he's a stalker if you will the bible says in ephesians finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but our struggle is against the rulers. Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's a prowler. Number three, the devil is a lion. What does he mean by that? He means that he's a vicious beast. He is totally committed to destroying you. He came to kill, still, and to destroy. Now, the word lion, I want everybody to say lion, Lion. doesn't mean much to you. When you think of a lion, you think of a docile animal in a zoo cage that you took your kids to when they were about eight or ten years of age. You took them to the zoo to see the lion who was sleeping in his cage. Or you think of Simba, the Lion King. Or you think of a stuffed animal in the baby's playroom. But when Peter wrote this to believers in the first century, when they heard this verse, that the devil is a a prowling lion looking for someone to devour, a chill went up their spine. They had a whole different image of a lion. Because in that day, Rome would take Christians and throw them into the Colosseum floor in front of the, the roaring crowd, And underneath the the stage, they would have lions that they had starved half to death. And they would let loose the lions, and the lions would literally, if you were a Christian, would enter the Colosseum where the Christians were, and the lion would literally rip apart the Christian limb for limb and eat the Christian all to the pleasure of the pagans. That's what the first century Christians thought of a lion. And he wants us to know that that's what he's like. He's vicious. And number four, write this down. The devil is after all Christians. Verse 9, the next verse says, Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of... Is it singular or plural? Is it suffering or sufferings? It's plural. Your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same type of sufferings. And so write this down. He's after all Christians. Yes, that would include you. There is not a Christian, a true Christian in this world that Satan has left alone. And that's why we need to stand together in our struggles. You're not the only one in this war. When you face evil and suffering in life, there's a tendency to think that you're the only one hurting. You start to think that no one else understands what you're going through, that you are uniquely suffering. No, you're not the unique person suffering. We're all under attack. Satan then comes and whispers in your ear. Here's what he says. Why is God picking on you? Why does God allow so many bad things to happen to you? God must not care about you. Perhaps there is no God. Why would God allow you to suffer? Listen, all Christians are in the crosshairs of the devil. And Peter knows this all too well. He is well qualified to give you some advice. Because of all those skirmishes that he had. In fact, a lot of people don't read these two verses back back when the Lord was telling Peter that you're going to deny me three times. That same context when Peter's going, no, I won't. In that context, Jesus said these words back in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. He said, Simon, Simon. Now listen, anytime the Lord has to say your name twice, it's not a good thing. (laughs) He goes, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And then the Lord said these words in verse 32. I want you to know that I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail but when you have turned back in other words the lord was saying you are going to fall you are going to fail you are going to deny my name but once you've come back i want you to strengthen your what your brothers what's he saying he's saying peter after you've fallen after you've been restored i want you to take all the things that you've learned and i want you to teach other people how they too can overcome the evil one. And in many ways, First Peter is a fulfillment of that prayer of Jesus for Peter that after you're restored, after you come back, I want you to strengthen the brothers. And so the first word of advice that Peter gives us, write this down, is to stay vigilant. Again, this phrase, you'll see it all throughout 1 Peter. Be self-controlled and alert. Everybody wake up, he says. Be attentive. Be on the lookout. Why would he say, be on the lookout? Well, because Satan can be overlooked if you're not looking out for him. And what Peter's saying is you have to stay alert. Or or you're not going to be successful against the devil's schemes. You've got to know that Satan is attacking you. Now, here's the question. How does Satan attack us? And there's four ways. I'm going to write them down fast. I want to say this. This is kind of a summary of the whole book. But he's letting us know how Satan attacks. Number one, hopelessness. Stay on the lookout. Satan is trying to discourage you so that you'll give up hope. It's why Peter writes in chapter 1, verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when jesus christ is revealed here's what satan wants he wants you to get to a point in your life where you finally say these words what's the use why do i even try anymore i I, I just give up i'm just wasting my time I, i i can't be i can't even serve the lord i i fell so many times what's the use of even trying not only that secondly is worldliness he says, stay vigilant because the devil not only wants to rob you of your joy and your hope, he wants you to leave your faith. What the devil wants is for you to conform to the world. First Peter chapter one, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, just as he who called you is holy. So you need to be holy in all that you do. You see, Satan comes along in your Christian walk and he tries to get you to go back into the world. When you got saved, God set you apart. He called you out of the world. And so what Satan wants is he wants you to creep back into that old way of life. And it doesn't matter whether it's the music that you listen to, the places that you go, the the way that you surf the net, the movies that you watch. You're either being drawn back into the world or you're being drawn into the kingdom of God. And which is it? It's like a tug of war someone said to me this week they said you know you know your dudley your standards are too high and you know what i said i said they're not my standards they're god's standards all i'm doing is reading the bible to, to you i have a hard time doing them the standard's not too high they're god's standards he said be holy Because I'm holy. We've all been called to holiness. And yet, every day of our life, Satan does a million things around our life to draw us back into the world, does he not? Number three is lovelessness. I I mean, you can sum up every problem you have in one of these four categories. First Peter 4, 8, he wrote, above all, love each other deeply for love covers a multitude of sins. I've said this to you before, I want to say it to you again. We do not have, some of you think we have a race problem in this country. We do not have a race problem in this country. We have a sin problem in this country. Amen. Because right here, this verse, 1 Peter 4 eight, the Bible says that we're to love each other deeply. That's a biblical commandment. I don't care what the reason, if you're not loving one another deeply, you're committing a sin We have a sin issue in this country, but it's all Satan because Satan loves to divide. He came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Satan loves to cause tension between people. And so if anytime you feel bitterness in your heart towards anybody, anytime you feel anger towards anybody, anytime you feel resentment or lack of forgiveness towards anyone, Understand the issue is not with that person that you're having a difficult time with. The issue is the devil himself. The devil is messing with you. He's trying to cause that division. Wake up and be alert to what the real issues are here. And number four is haughtiness. We're supposed to have a humble spirit. This is that feeling, that point in your life where you think, I don't need God. I don't need to go to church this weekend. And worship. Those, why are we singing these songs? I don't need that. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't know. I care about God. I can handle my stuff. I, I I can handle this. That's all pride, is what that is. And pride, the Bible says in First Peter 5 5, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see, Satan was kicked out of heaven because of pride. It's what caused his downfall. And it's the number one tool that he uses in your life and in my life. He gets us to be so proud within that we think we can do this on our own, that we don't need God. Now listen, Satan is not going to show up in a red suit with a pitchfork and reveal himself to you. He works by stealth behind the scenes. He has these little nuances that you don't even recognize unless you're hypersensitive to what he's doing. So be clear-minded. It means to be sober. Wake up. Be self-controlled. Stop and think in every situation, what's causing all this? And if you look at those four words, hopelessness, worldliness, lovelessness, and haughtiness, In the last seven days, did you ever get discouraged in your Christian walk? Did you ever, in the last seven days, think, What's the use? Did you ever have a sense of hopelessness in a relationship, in your finances, regarding a health issue, regarding any situation? Worldliness. Did you tell a joke this week that you should not have told? Did you go to a club? Did you watch a movie that you should not have watched? were you involved in anything did you go someplace did you do something did you say something that you would have been embarrassed if jesus had been standing right there next to you is your heart full of any type of anger towards anybody on this planet is there anyone that you have refused to forgive haughtiness this week did you strut your stuff did you ever think i don't need god did you ever justify any sin that you're involved with. You justified it. All of that is about the lion, the lying lion.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God has an app for that on our website liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book God has an app for that today